Georgia Dow is a therapist, but she's not your therapist. This show should not substitute a personal consultation with a professional. Fool's joke ever is <laughs> yeah. It's our own. It's our April Fools on oh ourselves. Oh my gosh! I hadn't even thought about that. Today totally, is April Fools. We totally April Fools ourselves by recording on Saturday and then not being able to figure out when we're recording. <laughs> oh Lord, have mercy! Uh, and if you're listening to this, and I've already started this, I Bree is joining us later, and we're all trying to make our lives work. At the same time, so just bear with us, and if you're used to the chaos by now, then, you know. <laughs> yes, anyone who's a regular listener knows knows that we uh, disrupt the flow with, yeah. <laughs> with uh, our, our show and our content and all that jazz, so I feel like they're along for the ride. Yeah, the, the sh- it's on the label, it's on the tin, folks. If yeah. you're not uh, <laughs> hip to the, to the game, then, then I don't know what. Um, let's start this week. Uh, first... First, by congratulating uh, Steve Lubitz for wait me. What did I? What did I do? Well, you actually have to explain to me what you did. Because... <laughs> yeah, I'm what sure... did Steve do? What did I'm sure it's something? incredible. I'm sure it's incredible, oh. but uh, I barely understand it myself. Uh, okay. I know it has to do with Hearthstone, and. Uh, you are a legend, and all that's very cool. And uh, Charles was very adamant that everybody make sure they <laughs> congratulate Steve on it. So tell us a little bit about what you've done and what it all means. <laughs> uh, so I've been playing this little game slash addiction slash horrible life habit called Hearthstone for like the last two years. And um, I wrote about it on my blog like two years ago when I started playing playing it. And... I played Magic, like Magic the Gathering, like 20 years ago, and then this game came out. It's, it's, if you don't know what it is, it's a card game based on the Warcraft universe. But it, and so I've been playing this game at a somewhat competitive level for the past two years. Uh, uh, there's a, there's a ladder system where you basically, you start out at rank 25. And after you win a number of games, you go up in a rank to 24 and so on and so forth. And eventually, once you climb through all of the ranks, then the the last rank that you can get to is legend. So it starts out that you have to win one game and then you get you get to the next rank and then it's two and then it's three. And then eventually it gets to the point when you hit rank five where you have to win five more games than you've lost to get up to the next to get up to the next rank so you win one game you get a star you lose one game you lose a star and you don't you have to win five more than you lost each time to keep climbing ranks and there's only oh my god and there's only a floor that you can't drop below at the uh ranks that are divisible by five so you can it There's used math. to which is new this month actually. So like rank five you can't drop below, but it used to be that you could drop all the way down to twenty from from five if you lost enough. It basically you have to win at like a fifty-five percent win rate or better over the course of the month, which it and it resets at the at the beginning of every month. So if you don't make it by midnight on the thirty first, then you get set back down to like rank sixteen, you have to start all over again. 
Wow. Um, so I've been trying this for, gosh, seriously, like a year has been since I've been hitting rank five consistently. And rank five is like top, top 2% of all players in the region. Wow. So I, I've been trying. I hit rank one two months ago, and it was... And then I, I ran out of time, and so it's, it's kind of like this white whale that I've been reaching for. And uh, this month, there was the Valens Chosen podcast, which is a, a Hearthstone podcast I listened to, started kind of a support group called This Time Legend. And a bunch of people who have either were trying to get there for the first time, or uh, a couple people like uh, Ridiculous Half from the Quake and See podcast and uh, Ray Wilkershaw from... Um, Hearthstone Walk to Work, who were kind of in there being like coaches and supportive who had done it a few times before. And on a week ago Monday, I finally did it, and I won more 25 more games than I lost from rank 5, and I got myself to Legend in the first time in two years of trying. Holy moly. Yeah. Two years. Jeez. Yeah. So, so, so now, Steve, you can say, I am legend. Yeah. What, what it, actually, it actually says that. It pops it up on the screen. It says, you are legend when it gives you the card back. And um, what's nice is that when you get to legend, it actually it stops telling you what rank you are. And it starts giving you, like, where you your actual, like, numerical rank among all the players on the North America server. So, so where, know, where are you now? Um, but when at the end of the month, I was about forty five hundred in North America. Wow! So that's the the part that it resets all the time. Oh yeah, it's, uh, it's brutal. That is horrible. So you just have to wait till so many people quit that were really good at the game and have moved on. <laughs> well, once they get to legend, they can't drop below legend, so they kind of get out of the pool, and then you. Oh. But even then, you still that's have enough legend people forever or legend for, for like the month. month for the month. Oh, that's that would that would that would be rough on me. Wait, yeah, so you're only legend for the month, and for a week, you have really, to try yeah. and make it again. Yeah, you start all over again. So, yes. what happens if you're like like legend on day twenty nine? Exactly. Like that's it. Day thirty, you're like you're legend for a day. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Take lots of screenshots. Oh, no. and, yeah. Well, oh. they do. Yeah, How you do take you screenshots, and they well, they give you a card back that they don't take away from you. Yeah, the only people who have that are um, are people who have gotten to legend at least once so it's you when you have that that's kind of something that you can show that you've you've done it at least but yeah it's it's okay. it's kind of a thing that you need to you need to go do it again and i don't know if i'm going to try hard again this month i probably will because that's just the way i am but um i i and i mean i wanted to ask you about this georgia because i know you've competed at a high level and what do you do to like manage your emotions during competition because like the whole time that i was playing what kind of gets referred to as the final boss which is like the last game before you go into legend like i was literally having this conversation with myself in my head like Mm -hmm. oh my god he's got he's got everything he's gonna win it's gonna you know you're gonna have to go back you're gonna have to start all over again no no shut up it's i can do this it's fine just calm down and play the cards and like how do you like manage that to kind of calm that voice in your head so you can focus on on what you're doing because i found that that was like as as hard as it is to play at a high level consistently it's like the part that i didn't really think about was like tilt and how you manage like disappointment and how you deal with like losing 40 or 45 percent of your games you know and then not doubting that you actually are good enough because even the best players in the world only have like a 60 percent win rate overall 
Yeah. It's uh, first is breathing so that yeah. that lowers your le- level of like a certain amount of adrenaline and cortisol in your system is good. And that'll actually make you play better. And then a certain amount will make you useless. And so you want to get to that optimal level where um, you're getting enough blood to your brain to be able to make you more effective, faster and think better. And not so much that it's going to just zap out everything. So one is breathing techniques. They work really well. We do a lot of that in sports psychology. Uh, the second is working on that negative voice to make sure that the voice inside your head is not going to defeat you because in the end, uh, for, you know, lots of people say that they're, they're, you know, what happens when someone chokes or if the pressure is too much and they crack, that's really what is the difference between people that are pros and not. And when you've done it enough, it it no longer matters if you win or lose, you're trying to perfect it among yourself. So people that are really good champions are people that are actually playing against themselves. It has nothing Mm. to do with the other Mm. person, nothing to do what's there. They're always trying to make each one perfect, but but they can also let go of a mistake or failure. And the faster that you can let go of a mistake that you have made, the more you enter back into the game that is at hand. And so we try to keep uh, the negative voice low, breathing techniques so that you're like at that perfect optimal level, and then be in the moment so that whatever is in the past, be it five minutes ago or an hour ago, is gone and you just deal with what is in front of you right now. And if you can do that, like a lot of sports psychology is about like a lot of people trash talk it's to get into the other person's head and wreck their game and so a lot of really good professional athletes have trained themselves for the mental game not just the physical game that's at hand interesting like i've never done anything like this before really like i played in one magic tournament in college where i got to like the semifinals and cool um but that was that was a long time ago so it's like i was like i you know i watch streams i've i've you know study the decks i you know go out and go into hyper focus on this stuff but it's it's that mental piece of it that I just didn't right. really anticipate. I didn't know how to deal with. And I, I guess I just kind of got past it or I got a, enough of a, of a win streak that I was able to just kind of not worry about it. But it, And it's it's hard because you want to kind of keep track of your misplays so that you can learn not to do them again, but you also don't want to, like, dwell on them. It's yeah, a, don't do it during don't do it balance. during the game at hand. Yeah. Like, you know, if it's taped or left later, you can look back on it. Yeah. But during the game at hand, you do want to know who you're playing. And what works for them and what's happening. But that also takes a certain amount of skill to be able to be doing two things at once, checking out what their game, their strengths and weaknesses are and finding out what yours are without having that become an issue. So you're no longer at the game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, I was, it's funny cause the girls came in and they're like, daddy, you beat Hearthstone? Like, well, yeah, kind of. So, Aww. Uh, so yeah, it was, uh, it, it was, it was something in the house, but anyway, I don't want to take the whole episode and, and talk about that cause we have real news to talk about, but I was, uh, that <laughs> was, that was my, cool uh, news. yeah, that was no, my really cool exciting news. news today. So you yeah. get your, you get your indulgence and, uh, the day that, I don't know, I get a new dog, I guess would be a, a comparable <laughs> thing, is the day that I get to spend yes. uh, the start of the episode talking about said dog. Um, yeah. But yeah, let's let's break into the episode. Let's, uh, let's start here by talking about some of the new changes that have come to Twitter. Uh, so the two big things that have happened is Twitter has changed the way that replies work. It used to be that when you replied to someone, whether their name was at Wicked Good or 
Twitter, at Micah Sargent or at Georgia underscore Dow, that would count against your 140 characters that you get in a reply. And Twitter has slowly been kind of pulling things away from what counts and doesn't toward your 140 characters. And they started that by changing uh, media that gets attached to a tweet no longer counts. So whenever you dropped a link into some media, it would, you know, take away a hundred or not 140 characters, obviously, but it'd take away some certain amount of characters. Well, now when you hit reply, your name, the person's name that you're replying to no longer counts against those characters. So whether your name's at J or again, at wicked good, that's the same thing. You still get 140 characters to write out everything that you want. Now it did change the way that things look, uh, across all of its services on iOS, on Android, on the web, on TweetDeck, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And as we know, as uh, Georgia has told us plenty of time, times, humans do not lack change, even as much as they say they do. And so, even when we pe- like it. Even when we like it, we don't like it. So people were uh, certainly up in arms over this. And then the other change that happened was instead of an egg, which uh, for those who haven't put that two and two together, it turns out I guess there were a lot of people who hadn't. The reason that new accounts got an egg for their profile photo was because it was an unhatched bird. So it's like you're a new, oh. you're a new Twitter user. You haven't you haven't hatched know yet. That. Well, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people didn't. I yeah. I was very surprised to hear that 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 hadn't been. Put together, but um, they Twitter's design team <laughs> decided All those to daft people like Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they decided to change it to a human-like <laughs> avatar. It, it's kind of it. It looks sort of vaguely person, I guess, is how I would describe the new icon. Uh, and Twitter's design team gave some thoughts. We'll include a link in the show notes to my little write-up on this. But uh, Twitter's design team said, we want to get people to change their default profile photo. We don't want them, when they come on, the idea was you'd have the egg for a little bit, and in this case, you'd have this this icon for a little bit, but then you'd want to go in and you want to personalize it. And so they changed it to this little person, and the other reason why is because eggs have been kind of connected to harassment, and more often than not, harassment... Right, and that's the egg's fault. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Yes. This is the egg so, fault. So by changing yeah, get the rid egg, of the egg. Don't worry about changing your harassment rules. Get rid of the egg. Yes, and yeah. and that is a, a, certainly a conversation that I'd love to break into. But um, we, we it, that that pretty much covers it. Those are the two updates. We've got a new profile photo, a new default profile photo, and we've got new at replies. So uh, let's let's talk about these things. I'm curious to hear your thoughts, and then I'd love to break into a discussion about this change from an egg to an icon. I mean, I guess I understand where they're coming from in the changes to the replies to some extent, because like I, I had um, where where Bree and I met was on App.net, which was uh, you know a kind of a, a paid spinoff of of Twitter back when Twitter was being awful to their developers, and this was kind of a crowdfunded thing that was very similar to to Twitter, at least the the main interface of it was. But the one main difference was that it had 256 characters per message as opposed to 140. And what that did was it let you be able to have a conversation with more than one or two people at a time uh, without having to worry about running out of space immediately. Because as soon as you start at replying two or three people, you really get down to like half a sentence that for actual text that you want to put in. So mm-hmm. I, I understand why they're doing it. I think the problem is that 
Well, first of all, they did it, I I believe, in such a way that you can tag a whole bunch of people and then, uh, you know, send them all the same harassing message and kind of streamline your harassment, which is not great. Um, I'm not sure if they resolved that or not. I heard that that was an issue very early on when they made this change. And Twitter's not exactly known for fixing those things very quickly. But the other problem is just that Twitter's interface has been what it's been for 10 years. And this happened with no warning. Like, I was looking at Twitter in the morning, and it was normal, and I went to, like, I I went to a meeting over lunch, and I came back, and all of a sudden, everybody was just posting, you know, just random messages that didn't look like they were replies, because it pulls the name out of the reply entirely and then just says replying to in tiny letters, but it looks mm-hmm. like it's just like a normal post. So all of a sudden I'm reading my timeline and I, it is making no sense because I'm seeing replies to people that look like they're just normal tweets that are starting a conversation or just normal tweets that are to everyone. It seems like this is the kind of thing that they should have been doing a little bit more A-B testing to see what normal users were going to react to it because it's just – it's way confusing and it was a very hard thing to adapt to. Yeah, um, I, I, th- I think a, a lot of that is certainly fair and it does seem like – uh, there are a lot of things that Twitter has done that just seem to come out of the blue, and I think that that's where Twitter could use some work is on communication, especially with its longtime users. Yeah. Um, but Dow, I'm curious to hear what you think about all the changes. Whenever you you know you go on your your Twitter spurts, uh, <laughs> have, have you noticed the changes? Have you noticed the new replies and everything? No, I haven't actually. Um, yeah, like egg or no egg, that that's not the question about harassment. Changing yeah. the egg, I think, is is secondary to actually doing something uh, to make sure that there's some sort of a consequence that, you know, we, and, and a certain amount of control that people have to stop people that are creating harassment. I think that's a more important issue. I, you know, like you could still then, it wouldn't be a default, but someone could make themselves an egg anyways. And like, woohoo, um, doesn't really make a difference to me. I like the fact that uh, the people that you attach the um, ats to does not count against your account like it did before. Um, that's great. It's nice. I can send messages to more people with with least less of a worry to to that, and I think it increases the chance of having rich conversations with many uh-huh. people. And no uh, misunderstand less under, misunderstandings at least. Perhaps, but I uh, I think that this is this is small. I, I don't think that this is going to be anything that's going to really change some of the issues that Twitter has. So. I, th- I think that's entirely fair. The, the kind of where I am on both of these changes, um, I, I try to be keeping my mind and my eye on what the uh, community who talks about accessibility uh, thinks of new features that come to apps and services. And one of the, the criticisms about this new reply feature is that it is very, very, very tiny, tiny, tiny text. Yeah, it is. And people with low or no vision who aren't using a screen reader would have difficulty seeing who, you know, are there, are these even reply tweets or are these actual tweets that are just coming from an account? Who are they replying to, et cetera? Um, in, the, in a perfect world, and I guess in my perfect world, I think Twitter should have just let us keep the at username in the tweet and it just, it just doesn't count. Instead yeah, of, you know, making this point. new UI where it drops away, mm-hmm. 
I just think that it should have just stayed the same because that at least kept all of the texts the same size and the hierarchy, you know, wasn't separated. And someone made a good point, a counter argument to that, which was that the reason they think that they're doing this is because it is not entirely inviting. If I'm a third party, so let's say I'm talking to Georgia Dow on Twitter and uh, it says at Georgia underscore Dow and then I have my message and Steve comes along and he sees that and he sees that we're having a conversation. Well, that's not as inviting or encouraging for someone to, for Steve to come in and start replying and joining in on the conversation. And yes, there are still some people who do it regardless, but it certainly does look a little more inviting whenever that at that giant at name is kind of pulled out of everything and it just looks like something you can join in on. So I get that. It gets more people talking and stuff like that. But I do think that we have to keep those accessibility things in mind. And on the, the default profile photo side, um, a, a few quick thoughts on that. I think, uh, yes, absolutely. They're, just by changing an egg to an avatar, that is not going to quell harassment. No, that, that it's, it's not the egg's fault that the harassment existed. Um, Name the but, egg! <laughs> but again, uh, thinking about the accessibility side of things, uh, Aline Sims actually pointed out the fact that the the community of low and no vision folks will often not choose a profile photo because they you know they don't want to choose a profile photo they don't think about having to have a profile photo and because of that there are a lot of people cuz twitter also introduced some filtering things recently where you could filter out those who had not chosen a default profile photo and so you know you you go there and you click that button and suddenly people in the low and no vision community are being silenced and yeah. you can't hear from them because you've shut them out. And so to what the design team, the actual blog that talks about this change, that's one of the things that they said. They didn't they didn't touch on accessibility, but they touched on the fact that new users who were coming on who had no interest in harassing people, who just thought the egg was cute and, you know, adorable or something, they were getting kind of shut out of the conversation or they were being uh, unfairly targeted as or not unfairly targeted, but unfairly unfairly stereotyped as people who were harassers. And so I get that. And so they went from but doing this. That, wouldn't that change, though, then to be just the person's going to yeah. be harassers? And it's still going to happen the same thing for people that are just choosing because they have perhaps um, low vision or they don't feel like dealing the time. New users are still going to be the ones that are going to be shut out of conversations because of that. Yeah. I mean, the thing is that this is a change that you make after you solve harassment. Because exactly. after yeah, you solve right. harassment, then, you know, you can say, okay, well, we fixed the problem, but we know that, you know, in the past, there have been people who have been associated with this with this default avatar, so we're going to change it. But the problem is that they haven't fixed harassment, so they're basically just putting a new coat of paint on it. And now those people are still going to be associated with the same people who come in and make, a, you know, make a new account that's a throwaway account and then they're still going to they're going to have the same problem it's just going to be with two circles two ovals instead of one oval and can i play devil's advocate here with this please uh so steve at big shoe is every single arm of the company focused on the same exact product product or project at the same no no of course not and that's where I think people might be missing something with this. And I, look, I'm not going to be a Twitter apologist, but I'm just – I. whenever this change and every change happens, I, for some reason, immediately think of, like, inside of Twitter, the people who are working there who must just think – 
like I, I don't even understand why anyone works at Twitter because no matter what they do, it seems like no one will ever like what they do. And I would jump out a window. I like seriously, if I worked for that company, I don't understand how anyone can like ha- get any joy out of working there. But anyway, so like that's what I'm always thinking about. So if you think about it, this is the the team that was in charge of changing the egg to a to this other weird gray thing is the design team. And the design team is focused on designy stuff. And they have a timeline and they, you know, get a product done and it's ready to ship. And so Twitter ships it. And the team that's over here working on uh, safety is doing something. And the team that's working on security is, you know, coming out with the next encryption thingy. And the team that's working on editable tweets is uh, behind in their timeline or whatever. And they all are working toward a product that that then comes out. And I think um, people, for some reason, seem to think that, like, Twitter is is just focused on one exact thing and then they move on to the next thing and then they move on to the next thing. But there are different teams working within the company who have different goals. And I feel like if a product's ready, you ship it. And it's not necessarily saying that the team that's supposed to be work- that's working on safety <laughs> is you know not paying attention to safety. I think they are. It's just that whatever feature it happens to be is not ready to ship yet. So I don't know. I, I feel like okay. just because these eggs or the, the new profile photo has shipped does not mean that Twitter's not also thinking about safety and security. No, I'm not, and I'm not saying that. And, and I'm the first one who will say that big companies are doing a lot of things at once and what the right hand doesn't necessarily know what the left hand is doing. This is not that because they actually call that out in the post where the, des- where the design team is announcing it, which means that if the design team is saying this, then they're, they're not – they may not know – what else is going on? But the problem is that when they're changing this, there has to be somebody who's above this who's looking at it and saying, yes, that is part of it, but you can't say that right now because this is what's going to happen. Because what it's the, – the perception of that, and it's not unfair, is, well, you're doing this, but that doesn't actually do anything. And, and in, that, in this case, that's true. It's not to say that they're not working on it. Like the people who were criticizing Twitter for changing the star to a heart when they haven't solved harassment, right? Like that's the kind of thing that you're talking about. That's mm-hmm. an, that I think a lot of the time that is an unfair criticism. Should, should the entire battleship be turned around in that direction? Yes, but there are other teams that don't have anything to be able to do in that, in that realm, and they're going to be working on other things in parallel. This is where they're saying, well, we did this to help – um, change the perception of the egg photo. And what they're doing is they're just shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic at that point. What, what I'm uh, saying is that the design team is not achieving their goal by doing uh, this because all they're doing is moving what's here over there. Yeah, that, I think that's fair. Georgia, you were about to say something. I, and I agree with your point. I think that it's true, um, you know, you know that, that doesn't mean that they're not working on it. It's just this has been such a strong problem for such a long time. And then they roll it out. And even if it is just the air that they do not care, this has been an issue for a really long time. And after a while, people then just say, well, that's lovely that you have chosen to spend your effort and you know emphasis upon this. But then what happens to all the people that are able to harass me without ever having really any strong, quick, or effective means of uh, consequences to make sure that you rally the people that are there. In the end, you create the culture and put the emphasis on whatever you want to in your company. And I think that it's fair for you to be accountable to that. Absolutely. Well, I completely disagree, George. <laughs> You're completely wrong oh. on everything. Completely wrong. Hi, Brie. Hi. Breaking Hi. news. Hi. Brianna Wu uh, at Space Cat Gal joins hey, us. Hey, everybody. Who- uh, 
And it's not, 8 o'clock on my watch here. We're doing fine. <laughs> it, it, uh, it's 8 o'clock, Brianna, standard time. Right, right. Sorry, <laughs> Which I is, am, I'm so sorry, guys. I had a media appearance. And I put it in my um, I put it in my uh, phone for tomorrow, so I've been <laughs> racing through Boston very uh, illegally for the last two hours. Safely, yes, no yes, drifting. Yes. no drifting. I I told Georgia. I made the mistake today of telling Georgia Dow that my car right now. Unfortunately, has the airbag computer removed, which you could look at that as not being safe by a very strict definition. Look at that as not safe. Or you could not. It's going to be fine. Uh, Yeah, but you're still driving it. I I got stuff to do, Georgia. Hey, hey. I'm a very safe driver. Not okay. Very safe driver. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, we're uh, finishing up talking about Twitter cha- Twitter changes. Yeah, you were. I was going to say Twitter handles harassment fabulously. Surely you would not have any experience on Twitter harassment or 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 egg accounts. Yeah, I agree. You're right. Uh, Twitter <laughs> is perfect. Yeah, see, there are sometimes I wonder. Like Twitter is just so perfect. I wonder if it's like not the the savior incarnate, but in a business Ooh. company instead yeah. for us because they are Ooh. so blameless before the Lord with their <laughs> with their company's actions uh, it's amazing social media is what you're saying though yeah, i walk through the valley right. of the shadow of tweets <laughs> <laughs> oh that was beautiful uh, so uh so micah before should we before we go on to our next topic you want to tell us about something that's uh that's awesome i would love to tell you all about squarespace squarespace There it is. This episode of Disruption is brought to you by Squarespace. You can enter the offer code DISRUPTION at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea, and with a unique domain name, award-winning templates, and more, you are going to rock it. Maybe you want to create an online store. Maybe you want to create a portfolio. Maybe you want to create a blog. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do all of that and so much more. There's nothing to install. You don't have to worry about patches. You don't have to worry about upgrades. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace has it all covered for you. They've got award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of those award-winning templates are seriously beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I've mentioned Squarespace before because seriously, I've got multiple websites running on them and I never have to worry about about anything. You know, Apple Pay comes along and Squarespace is like, yo, we've got Apple Pay support now. HTTPS uh, is definitely important in this new world we're living in where ISPs sell our data and boom, HTTPS comes along. It's all great. Squarespace plans start at only $12 a month and you can start a free trial with no credit card by going to squarespace.com so you can kind of kick the tires on the site. When you decide to sign up, which you definitely will, you can use the offer code DISRUPTION and you're going to get 10% off your first purchase and, of course, show your support for our show. We thank you, Squarespace, for your support. Squarespace, make your next move. Make your next website. Squarespace. Uh, Wow. It's the spaciest. I have no idea. Uh, (laughs) Georgia, can you make that noise again? That was great. 
You like that? <laughs> Did you like that? I, one? Like I don't know that. if I could do it again. They should adopt that. I could face. <laughs> wow. That's hardcore. <laughs> You want me? You want me to try? I can try again. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm Whoa. shaking in my boots. Okay, we just lost all the good faith we put in yeah. to Squarespace name through Micah's great ad read. George had destroyed it. This is why Steve makes sure not to include that part whenever he sends off like the air checks to the company. Delete my I, I do no such thing, Micah. Sergeant. Oh, I do no I'm such hurt. thing. But I will. I will I say that hurt. I would love to be able to hack Hearthstone to get that to play when I start. Start up the match to intimidate my opponent right, as a way right. to like intimidate. Yeah, I think yeah. that makes sense. Uh, so, Bri, uh, do you want to talk about Mass Effect? I assume that's the topic you wanted to talk about more than. Yeah, uh, yeah I was going to ask Bree that. Thank you, Stephen. Well, no, no, you go. You go ahead, then, Micah. I don't want to. I don't want to step on your toes. Your 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 right, doggy right, doggy right. toes. Yeah, Mass Effect. Uh, so, guys, I've um, you know, this is probably one of the most anticipated games of not just this year but this decade right um and i'm a little bit deeper into it now so um you know steve i know you haven't played it but i'm yeah. assuming you've read about it yeah, and, uh, yeah i'm just hoping we can have kind of a a chat about the new mass effect because i've i've strong opinions at this point about what it's doing right and what it's doing uh wrong so you know just to kind of catch our listeners up uh you know mass effect andromeda came out to very very mixed reviews um and you know i there's a lot to love in this game but there's there's a lot that's gone wrong too and i yeah. just uh i want to talk about that yeah yeah i mean I, there's been a lot of talk about like the technical issues and i, I mean i don't even necessarily unless they're game breaking which it sounds like from the people who nope. have been talking about it they're not they're annoying, but they're not like actively keeping you from being able to progress in the game, right? Well, I, I would say this multiplayer is very, very bucked. And mm-hmm. I cannot tell you how many times I've gone down in a multiplayer match and then I I get up and my character's like arms are twisted behind her <laughs> and then oh. I'm having to like hop across oh. the stage and I'm getting murdered. So there oh. are some very serious bugs in this game. Uh, you know, is it is it greater than your average open world game? Probably not, but uh it's it's still non trivial. I've I've had the game crash probably Probably ten times in a week, and that's wow. that's a lot. So, is, yeah. is that so frustrating that you would then choose not to play multiplayer? Um, I really love the multiplayer mode. It is like uh, just hooking adrenaline up to your brain because it's so fast paced. So no, like there's nothing that will get me to stop playing. Multiplayer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do you like it? Be- do you like it better than the Mass Effect Three multiplayer? Uh, n- Yes and no. The The gameplay itself is better in some ways, but the universe is so much worse. Like the, the Mass Effect multiplayer, uh, it built up a lot of universe around it. So I had very strong feelings about, you know, Cerberus and, you know, the Geth and all the different creatures I was fighting. Here, the gameplay is technically faster and better, but I'm so much less attached to the universe because it's like, um, you know, it's the Godfather 3 of Mass Effect games. So, yeah, but before we start talking a lot about the multiplayer, I want to, like, kind of yeah. talk about some of my observations. Sure. You know that I'm weak deep into this because I know we have a lot of Mass Effect fans that listen to the show. You know, this – I think I put my finger on what people are so angry about with this game. This is a Mass Effect game – 
by millennials for millennials. Uh, How so? I'm not, not, I'm not joking with that. You know, the first Mass Effect game, you know, Shepard is portrayed as a woman roughly, you know, 25 to 35, somewhere in there. Like, it's a, a lot of adults. Um, you know, they're all hardened soldiers. They're all out there on the world on their own. And it's a very adult story. Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda really takes a step back. There is no one on the crew except for the Krogan that looks like they are, you know, above 20. Um, It's very, very young characters. Uh, The parental figure dies. And there's this uh, theme throughout the whole game where the adults are broken and wrong and are dysfunctional. It's up to the eager, starry-eyed youth to go out there and um, kind of chart their own path with their own values. So, um, you know, that's, it's a concept I'm I'm fine with, right? Like Hunger Games is an excellent, uh, you know, story with a lot of the same themes. So, but I think that because it's not this battle-hardened military story, and it's more of a, a, a YA novel, I think that's causing a lot of disconnect for a mm. lot of people, really being able to emotionally bond with the characters. Um, the other problem I really have with it, um, you know, Mass Effect 2 came out in, ah, uh, what year was it? Was it 2010? I think. 2010, yeah. Yeah, this is a uh, a year before a lot of our industry's worst tendencies really came and kind of broke the field. <laughs> so you know, now when you put out a game, you are expected to um, – uh, that there's going to be like continual new content for it, even beyond mm. DLC packs. Like, you know, Mass Effect 2 really championed that. But, you know, this is a game that's a framework that I expect them to be building on for the next two years. Uh, it's very much an open world game. And the idea is really built around this. Um, iPhone-centric design scheme. Like, an iPhone game is trying to add in mechanics to force you to go play that game every day so you don't trade it in or forget about it. There are so many things in Mass Effect they are forcing you to do the same things. You're going to have to install the iPhone app and like five or six times a day you're gonna have to check your strike teams and keep sending them out you're gonna have to keep searching for you know uh minerals when you're out and the entire world is just so huge i you know i think it's gonna take years to get through it and this is the exact opposite of a very short focused coherent story like mass effect 2 was the equivalent of like a novel that you couldn't wait to read the next page on this is more like a slog to build up each planet to get enough points to like get the next combat unlock so um it's really a deeply flawed game yeah i think the reason that i was i decided to hold off on it is that the more i read about it the more it reminded me and and it would make sense of my experience with Dragon Age Inquisition. The game itself is amazing, but you have to slog through like six to ten hours of the hinterlands, literally in Dragon Age, before you can get to the content that everybody's raving about. And it sounded to me like Mass Effect Andromeda was kind of the same thing. And I I also kind of had the feeling that the more I'm thinking about it, like the more I kind of want to just leave my Mass Effect experience, like, as it is. Like, I don't want to... (laughs) I don't want to have, like, a Star Wars prequels experience with this. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to taint that experience that I've had with the Mass Effect games if this isn't 
completely mind blowing. I'd rather just have those fond memories and then kind of leave them at that, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So I heard a lot of people talking about like the facial movements and the way that Mass Effect looks. Yeah. How do you find, Brie, especially since you design games and actually create all of that, does it take you out of the game? Is it? Do you think people are making too big of a deal out of it? I, I'm going to tell you straight up, George. If you play Rev60, our facial animations are a trillion times better because we actually assign someone to it. Here, throughout Mass Effect, pretty much everything is uh, procedurally generated. And what I mean by that is, think about this from BioWare's point of view. You know, they have voice tracks, but the game is so big that it's also yeah. got to go into different languages. Right. You know, with different voice actors, so they can't go through and key all this stuff. So they just um, you know, hook a mouth control up to a volume sound mm. and uh, mm. it goes through and does it that way. So there's a lot of riders staring straight ahead and ma, 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 and the person right next to her doing the same thing and it sucks. Um, the the interesting thing is Mass Effect does trade it off and there's about twice as much total dialogue in this game as the last game and right. it shows but yeah it's, it's the equivalent of a very large canvas and it feels empty um, also I just have to be honest with you and I don't know if this is me but like I play Mass Effect because like of my inner Jack Bauer, right? Like I love the character trait of someone who goes and gets things done against all odds and that great personal sacrifice. That's a story that really ties. It just hits my personality here. Ryder's whole personality. There's no way to play her. So she's kind of a hard nosed person. She's a, a starry eyed, eager, cheery teenager. Mm. Um, no, when, no matter what you do. And that comes through with her voice acting. So, um, you know, it kind of goes together because like that blank expression staring forward and being happy <laughs> kind of works for her, but right. it doesn't really hit the same emotional cues for me. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So um, it does, a, it does yeah. kind of take you out of the game. Yeah, it definitely does. It definitely does. There's no there's no character moment I've had so far, even Ryder's father dying, which happens in the first few minutes of the game, that really made me feel something. Like, I remember when Caden died on Vermeer. Like, any Mass Effect player is going to remember that because it was so gut-wrenching. Or, like, when you have to kill Morton Solace in Mass Effect 3. I mean, it's gut-wrenching. Yeah. I mean, it, is so this is one of the most powerful things I've ever done. This just feels like slogging through some decently written stuff to, you know, like build have a Mass Effect game. So um, you know, I'm probably about 20 hours in at this point, and maybe mm -hmm. it'll get better. So it's not a bad game. But the world is just nowhere near as compelling as the original Mass Effect trilogy. They've, they've made decisions. I understand the decisions. I respect the decisions. I understand the logic behind those decisions. And I think it's really important to give new creative teams uh, the space to try new ideas. But this is not a game that's 
anyone is going to replay as much as they did the Mass Effect trilogy, and that's just a fact. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll, I'll stick with Horizon and Zelda as my two <laughs> games that are taking up all yeah, of, all of my uh, open world time. But yeah, you may want to. Yeah. Yeah. I Sorry, mean, y'all. No, I, I mean, actually, well, I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of happy because I was kind of, I, I was almost feeling like an obligation to play it because it's Mass Effect. And like, I just don't have the time to take out a third open world game right now. I was kind of looking at it like, uh, maybe I'll just wait till it goes till, till it's been out a couple months and they put out the first big patch and maybe I'll have finished Horizon by then. And so, uh, you know, I, I kind of it's almost a relief knowing that it's something that is more like Star Wars Episode One than Star Wars Episode Seven. You know what I mean? I would say it's closer to Star Wars Episode Two. Episode Two was not as bad as Phantom Menace. <laughs> and this isn't Phantom Menace bad, but you know, Clone Wars was a slog to get through, and so is this game. Yeah. So, um, you know, the the characters just fall flat. So, sorry, y'all. I'm uh, sure the actress that plays writer is a very nice person, but um, she's just not Jennifer Hale. So, you know, okay. most most people aren't. So. <laughs> That's that's. I feel of, like I'm pretty close to Jennifer Hale, just like a day to day basis. Like I'm pretty close to that. Uh, Georgia, you you peer pressured me. You you oh shamed no. me. You did not get the switch. So do you regret it? No, I bought a. Uh, I spent that three hundred and fifty dollars on a dress instead. So <laughs> no, nice. I don't. I don't. I don't. You're okay. So the switch still does not exist in the home. All right, I'm proud. No, because no, George is going to judge me. <laughs> I don't want, want Georgia judgment. That's the worst judgment. Yeah, it is. You you really like, don't Steve's, want Georgia judging you. Steve judges five million things before he's had toast in the morning. <laughs> Georgia judgment. That's serious. I mean, yeah, true. That's that's bad. Oh. That's your therapist judging you. That's yeah, her with job you. is to be not judgmental. It's just like bring oh. your hypocrite. It's like oh. making that noise with your tongue along with it. You know, that's 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 the worst. Yeah, I I agree. I don't I don't ever want to face Georgia judgment. So I, I'm a proud. I'm proud. There's still no switch. Yeah, uh, like that was why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, can I just say something? It's it's totally off topic. But yeah, here sure, we go. go so I'm watching a show. It's called Brooklyn Nine Nine. And uh, it's a it's a cop show. It's really funny. Uh, they have a lot of in jokes and stuff like that. Anyways, Jake Peralta like one of the the cops pulls out um a burrito and he had it in like he's eating it in the hot tub but it got all soft because it was in the hot tub and he's like oh my goodness i'm so sad i hate myself and i look over to Renee and i'm like that's micah <laughs> and, like, and he goes he looks at me with his face he's like micah eats food in, in the hot tub i'm like no the shower don't you know this and he's like what? And then his face crinkles in this strange shape, like, you know, like like shock and disgust at the same time. <laughs> so you may be getting really strange questions from oh, Renee. Oh, great. Now I Renee judges me. Without knowing, I just figured everyone's watched those shows or seen it on Twitter because it's such a thing. Look, yeah. it would not be a thing if everyone around me didn't make it a thing, but everyone always brings it up, and now it's a thing. And now Renee knows, and I'm yeah. probably going to lose my job because he knows I eat in the shower, and it's just great. <sighs> I'm pretty sure. Well, I'm pretty sure Maureen's been judging you as well. So if it makes you feel better, I want to know if, if Frank knows. Bree, does Frank know? 
No, Frank, Frank knows nothing. She's protected. You see, Brie, you know, there we go. I, I appreciate that. Uh, I uh, Or she just, just hasn't had the time because she's been so busy. <laughs> that might be it, too. We, or it's not important to uh, spread this information. No, about, this is very important. This is the most important thing in the news right now, actually. You know what's more important is <laughs> questions, questions from listeners. Wait, 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 no, we have an ad. We have an ad. No, it's, that's do already this. been done. No, oh, we have another have ad. We have oh, another sorry. ad. Uh-oh. Okay, we so I just want everyone to know we are going to have disruption t-shirts very soon. What's the ETA on this, Micah? The ETA, I I don't know that yet because we okay. are are still in talks. <laughs> We're still in talks. I'm gonna pressure Mike Hurley to get and make those disruption t-shirts because they're gorgeous oh, and they're yes. awesome. I cannot wait to I'm get pretty sure this, I'm pretty moment. sure that rocket show pushed us out of line, so, you know. <laughs> really? That what I happened? did see Rocket has some shirts going on. Yeah. Yeah. Rocket uh, has some shirts. If you go to domain-o-main, <laughs> domain, whatever it is, domain a name, but with hyphens, you can get Just a rocket. stick hyphens in there. Just stick hyphens until you see a rocket t-shirt. That's, That's it. basically my message. But those are awesome. But I want disruption t-shirts because so, then I can look unprofessional more often. That's what I'm looking for. Hey, to all the listeners, within the month, certainly within the month of April, you will see disruption shirts go up and you can buy them. And let me just say that they look super cool because no, no, no uh, spoilers, but think of old TVs that have signal problems and you, you can kind of get an idea of what the shirt will look like. Wait, it's really what? neat. Yeah, you got to zoom in no, on the text, no, Georgia. Just, okay. Yeah, you, you, if you zoom in on the text, you can see okay. some. I'm pretty some sure really this wasn't in the contract out. negotiations, but you know, <laughs> it's but, a really. But, uh, like, Morgan Roberts on Twitter actually sent us a picture of him wearing his old isometric T-shirt, so oh, we need to give him something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love, love that it. T-shirt. Uh, Shout out. Uh, yes. Yeah, so th- there is the second ad that I totally forgot about. Uh, now we can move on to questions from listeners. All right. We have. Aren't uh, you going to sing it again? No, not this time. Okay. I'm feeling hurt and attacked by <laughs> Renee and Georgia. And <laughs> As well, you should. Renee's innocent. Renee's innocent. Just ask Renee uh, how much how much time he spent playing Pokemon Go and you'll be even. It's fine. Um so anyway so we have some questions we have some people actually went so far as to attach us uh mp3 files to dms uh so that is a thing that happened so we'll start with that one hey disrupticons i'm CEO from the land of the vitici's italy i'm the guy who sent you a song for isometric 100 i love disruption and you guys are awesome especially everybody i just wanted to (laughs) ask you a couple of quick questions i am making a video game right now with my company uh what are some things i can do in the gameplay mechanics in the story to make the game more inclusive for everybody it's a 2d action rpg so when you create your character you can choose your gender the color of your skin we also have zombie skin we don't want zombies to be left out but (laughs) what are some other things we can do and quick question number two i am not a citizen of the united states of america as you might have a guest from my accent but i want to help (laughs) Bree with her campaign and i can't seem to be able to donate if i don't have an address in the u.s so how can we help from abroad. Thank you guys. Aww. You're all awesome. Georgia, buy a Wii U. <laughs> <laughs> 
I like this guy. Yes. I want him to come guest on our show. Right. Yes. Guy. Yeah. Uh, so as far as my campaign, let's do that first. Um, so one of the things that any uh, uh, candidate for office struggles with is um, I am legally prohibited from um, you know, taking any of my campaign donations and living off of them. Uh, it's it's just wholly frowned on. It would be blatantly illegal. Christine O'Donnell got into a ton of trouble with this. So if you are not in the United States, please don't donate to my campaign. I could get in a lot of trouble for that. We want to do it honestly. Uh, but you can, um, if you want to support my work, in just other ways, you know, donating to my Patreon helps a lot. That's how uh, basically I, you know, eat and feed myself and, you know, along with the uh, money I make from uh, you know, podcasting. So if you want to support the rest of my career, which I want to make very clear has nothing to do with my campaign, okay. uh, you can obviously help us with that. As far as, uh, you know, being uh, inclusive in the game, you're doing the right things. What I would say is um, it would be really good to get uh, people from different communities involved in the playtesting process. Uh, you know, there are going to be some things that like with people of color, Micah is going to be able to give you feedback about that, you know, just a, a typical white playtesting team is not going to be able to. The same thing with women. Uh, frankly, it's also true for people with disabilities. So, yeah, this is just uh, it's simply an issue of good playtesting and listen to your um, listen to your team. Yeah. I can just interject. Uh, where where are the pandas? What's up with that? Yeah, like what's up with that? Need a panda skin, or if worse comes to worse, koalas are acceptable. No, they're not. Georgia, honestly, I think oh. that that's actually your fault, Georgia, because I seem to remember time and time again a certain Brianna Wu encouraging you to create a skin, <laughs> a panda skin for oh Rev Six. And that never happened. So yeah. this is this is on you. Micah doesn't forget anything. He's like an elephant. I am like an elephant. You and Charles. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Charles really doesn't forget anything. He could probably he pull up the forget. audio where you. Yeah, he'd probably find the that. audio. Yeah, you're right. Right. <laughs> The other thing I just want to add real quick to that is um, if you also want to make sure that people who, uh, especially the disabled community, can actually play your game, um, you want to go look at Able Gamers has a has kind of like brochure at includification.com of just some simple things you can do to make sure that you're accounting for people who are colorblind, people who have limited mobility, limited vision, stuff like that. So just make sure that you're doing, you know, obviously there's, there's a limit to what you can do as a developer with a limited budget, but try to do as much as you can to make sure that uh, as many people as possible can physically play your game in addition to being included in the you know in the story yeah i uh, just was gonna say and it seems like you're on the right track here is just just don't make assumptions uh ask when you have questions and ask about every step of the process especially the parts where you are trying to be more inclusive because i do see uh people regularly make the mistake of just going oh yeah this is what's gonna work and i i understand what people need and want and then they they get themselves into trouble with that making those assumptions is is not a good idea and as much as you might even try to be doing the right thing the the best right thing is to ask and never assume um okay so we have um a question that came in through the dms 
you you talk about PS, PTSD and associated things. I have a few people in my life that suffer, and I want to know what I can do to help. Most of the time, just being there doesn't feel like enough, especially when it's hard for them to talk or communicate about what they need or what I can do to help. Any insight would be helpful. Okay, so I'm, I'm not sure how much my information is going to be helpful to you because uh, really the first thing would be is just to be there and be patient. I think that um, you know, there's many different types of post-traumatic stress, my, many different reasons for why you have that. Talking to people and asking them what I would like, you know, what would you like for me to do? I think that a lot of times people dance around the issues uh, when someone is having um, a problem or someone's really worried or someone's really scared. We dance around it. We don't specifically say, but asking them and saying, listen, you know, when you're feeling like you're going to have an anxiety attack, what would be the best thing for me to do to be able to be there? Um, Be calm, be secure while they're there. So if you're panicked, they're panicked, then they're going to feed off of that panic. So to slow down your speech, to slow down your breathing, to cue in to what you do, if you move away and you see that they get more agitated, you know, ask them, would you rather if I stay here? For other people, they might rather be alone. And so the thing is, is that everyone is going to be different to that. Some people, maybe they'd be embarrassed and they would feel more calm if they could handle this without you there. And so if you, you know, ask them, be specific and let them know to like calm down their breathing, that everything's going to be okay, that you're here if they need you. But the main thing is even having you ask this question means that you're a really kind, thoughtful friend to be able to want to be there more for the people that are in your life. And so I think that you're probably already ahead of the game. I just, I want to give a shout out to everybody uh, on disruption. You know, I had a, a really difficult day on Friday and, uh, you know, it was just, you know, sometimes I get so overwhelmed emotionally uh, when I just get uh, really attacked viciously online. And uh, you know, Friday was one of those days. And everybody was very cool about Thursday, rather, was very cool about rescheduling the podcast. So you guys were good friends to me about that uh, this week. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that. Yeah. Well, and, thank you. And thank you for sharing with us because that yeah. shows a lot of trust, too. So that's um, really nice. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, we want to make it as easy for you as possible. And it's not, you know, obviously, we know you well enough to know that you wouldn't ask us to do something if it wasn't something you were really struggling with. So, you know, it's no Well, the no thing is, like, yeah, you know, without the jokes about getting triggered, I mean, sometimes, like, you really, uh, yeah. you can work with a therapist to have all the tools in the world to, like, mm-hmm. um, deal with it. You know, for me, I work out a lot. But to a certain extent, like, you can't, you don't always have control yeah. over no. it. So I and, think, and um, that's you okay. Know, yeah. Yeah, it is yeah. okay. It is okay. Uh, so just having flexibility and, mm-hmm. you know, frankly, uh, patience with friends, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) that that patience is so important and understanding. uh, I, I, I really, really, really believe that we should pay attention to, you know, who a person is. And it was what Steve just said there. Like we, we know that you were in a situation where you really needed that because we know who you are as a person and what you are capable of going through and dealing with. And I think that applies to anybody. When you know somebody and they're telling you for whatever reason, this, that, or the other, and you know who they really are, then giving them the benefit of the doubt and understanding that this is really something that they're struggling with or really something that they simply can't go do whatever needs to be done, to to trust that and to believe uh, what someone is telling you, I think is very important. And 
the the patience and the benefit of the doubt more than anything else is is very important in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. And and if you don't know, ask. I, I Micah, you were really sweet. You sent me a nice text when I was talking about how dumb I feel when I miss passwords. And you're like, we make fun of you all the time. I'm sorry. But, and that was so sweet, right? I actually like to be made fun of. It's um, Scottish. And so that's a sign of love in my family is to be teased is love. So don't stop doing that because then I will feel unloved. Uh, that goes for you as well, Charles, because I'm like, you know, just keep it up, please. I actually really appreciate that. If, if ever it's not, I actually will say it. You don't have to worry to that. But that's so nice. I felt cared about because you asked. And that was really sweet. It's uh, one of those things that sometimes asking the specific straightforward question is the thing that needs to happen, even if everything's going right. Okay. All right. Um, so we have two. Hey, everyone, group hug! Yay! <laughs> yes. uh, I'm hugging my computer screens. <laughs> uh, okay. So we have a, a, a couple other super quick ones that I think we can get through before we have to go. So one is. One let me is get the, how dare you. One is how dare you. So one is from, from Beck who asks us uh, Samsung Galaxy S8, is anyone tempted? Uh, I will. I will certainly end up buying one just for professional reasons. Uh, though God, actually, no. I'm thinking about not doing software development. I am running for Congress, so I don't <laughs> know if I'm going to have to. Oh my God, my mind is blown on the air. Uh, I, you know, on Rocket, we talk about Samsung products a lot. We do cover Android. We're one of the few uh, shows on, uh, you know, Relay that does. And, um, you know, I think Samsung makes a near iPhone quality product. It, it's not quite as good, but the, the Galaxy Note is a fantastic phone when it's not exploding. Uh, and I have, I've enjoyed every Samsung product I've ever owned from them. Uh, and, you know, I carry with me an iPhone uh, and an Android phone. Uh, because I have to have a fake phone number I can give the general public that's not my private phone number. So, uh, you know, I think it's a it's a good-looking phone. Um, I'm not really convinced there's anything there that's really revolutionary. I think the, the lower... The, the the battery that doesn't really look like it's going to excel has me worried with the bigger screen, but I think it's a, a gorgeous looking product. And I think the the real question is how bad Samsung is going to frack it up with the touch whiz interface this time. Oh. So yeah. yeah, I don't, that I don't is have a enough. glowing endorsement. <laughs> yes, there there was some good stuff in there. I, I don't have enough uh, extra money to just like get an extra phone just because I to want throw it. away on a Samsung. You could just say it. <laughs> there you go. That's that's exactly what I mean. Um, I, like there's not enough necessity coupled with the like free money to do that. But what I will say is. I so no, I'm not going to get this phone. But what I will say is, I think this phone is astoundingly beautiful, and especially the orchid gray color. It's this really subtle purpley color that is just astounding. I think it's it's gorgeous, and I love the the sort of lengthy, long uh, look to the phone. Uh, maybe it reminds me of me because I'm this tall, scrawny, weird thing, and this phone is kind of a tall, scrawny, <laughs> weird thing as well. Um, the the screen is 
is beautiful and the the curves on the edges are beautiful. So yeah, I really think this is a beautiful phone and I could see a lot of people carrying it and I would have no side eye for them if they chose to carry this phone. So that's that's the endorsement that I will give. I would not give side eye if someone owns a Galaxy S8. Uh, hmm. Yeah, yeah. Touch time... was so bad though. It's so bad. <laughs> uh, every time that I look at a fancy new Android phone and think about it for a few seconds, and I real I think about like all the security stuff that Apple's putting in and how Google doesn't just not that they're not taking it seriously, but they don't go the extra mile like Apple does a lot of the time. And thinking about like how much of my life. I spend with my phone and I just like even, you know, it, they could take away whatever ports they're going to take away from the iPhone. And I probably just still do it just because I don't I just don't trust Google with that much access to my life. You know what I mean? So it doesn't even really matter what the hardware looks like at that point. I could probably switch to a Windows computer, but as as far as a, as a phone operating system, I can't do it. That's what I'm talking about. Steve judgment comes so easily. I know it's everywhere. (laughs) Now, what about you? No, no, just no. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's great. What's the next question? All right. One more quick one from Lucas who says, I've got a question mainly for Bree. How would you recommend a high schooler get involved in politics, local, state or federal? That is a fantastic question. That is a fantastic question. Um, It's not complicated. Find uh, a candidate that you believe in and go volunteer for them. Volunteer for your party. Uh, Just go in there and start getting experience. You know, what what really amazes me, and this is a a true story, there was a girl I had a crush on in poli-sci class that was volunteering with Senator Lott, which is why I started going down there and interning with Trent Lott. (laughs) that set me on my whole adventure but it taught me so many valuable um skills like doing constituent services i learned a ton of that working uh there and also at the rnc so anything you're doing right now is going to be tremendously valuable to you so just go down there like uh have an eagerness to learn and just go go find some area of it you're really passionate about and get involved i I think that's amazing and just to be really honest with you like you know the baby boomer generation is not going to fix this disaster that we're in they're not going to address global warming they're not going to address clean energy they're not going to address a rigged economy it is really up to people of your generation to really step up to the plate bring our values into the political system here in america so i am i'm just so honored that you're going to do this and i really encourage you you didn't ask another question I think everyone has now, which is, yeah. um, did, did you get the girl? <laughs> no. No, she was straight, so. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, well, you very know. Sad. Very sad. There's no shame there. in that. That's how I ended up with history as my second degree in college, because Maureen was taking a lot of those classes, so. Oh, oh, there, <laughs> yeah, there we go. All oh, ruled by your hearts. It's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I don't I don't have anything to add on that one. All right. Why, why don't you take us out then, Micah? Because that's all the questions. That I think we have one more voicemail, but we can save that for next week. So. All righty. Well, if you would like to get in touch and leave your questions, comments, concerns, and everything else, you can call us at 508-418-3532. That's 508-418-3532. You can also tweet us at underscore disruption FM with the hashtag disrupt me or send us a direct message. As usual, we will default to anonymous. So be sure to let us know if we can use your name in the show. Go and review the show on iTunes. We are out of time this week to read some reviews, but I definitely have collected some, so hopefully next week we'll have some time for Georgia to read them in an accent or something. I don't know. She does that on I'm More Show sometimes. <laughs> if, you, if you're looking for the show notes, you can find them at relay.fm slash disruption, or probably from the podcast app you are listening to this from. Uh, if you're looking for me online, you can find me at www.chihuahua.coffee, which has all the links you might want for whatever reason you might want them. And if people are looking for you, Steve, Lubitz, where can they find you? Well, it's April 1st, so I got my legend status yanked away and kicked back down to rank 15, so you'll probably see me playing Hearthstone trying to get that back, or you can find me complaining about that on Twitter <laughs> at WickedGood. <laughs> and Bree Wu, if people are looking for you, which sort of rhymed, where can they find you? Uh, so, you know, I am not going to be able to win this election without the support of uh, you normal people out there. Uh, we're really trying to get through this thing without, you know, asking for, you know, corruptive corporate money. Uh, so if you believe in what I do and you like the themes we talk about uh, here every single week, like you guys really know me because you listen to this podcast, which is either That's good true. or bad. So you can support me at... Uh, uh, supportbriana.com or you can always go to my very lovely and calming Twitter account, Space Cat Gal. <laughs> soothing. soothing. It's a zen moment. Soothing. Soothing. The soothing soothing. Space Cat Very gal. placid. Yeah. Placid would be the Vanilla. word. Vanilla. Vanilla. Yeah, Where the most Vanilla. controversial thing you post are photoshops of my Hearthstone screenshots. And cat. That was not Photoshop. That was real, Steve. Oh, okay. Lucas. My bad. Maybe and also, I, you're tapping my house. Steve <laughs> wire tapping my house. With two Ps. It's true. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Last but not least, the queen of the dash and the underscore Georgia. If people are looking for you online, where uh, that is that is a term of endearment at this point. Uh, <laughs> where could they find you? Uh, you can check out anxiety dash video com or of course you can check me out on Twitter. It's at Georgia underscore Dow. If you want to shoot me an email, it's Georgia at imore.com. Beautiful, beautiful. All that's left is for Steve to say that thing he says every week. So Steven Lubitz, take it away. Go. Why are you still listening to us? What are you doing with your life? Go. Find another podcast. We love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>